You're listening to Uprising, the Rebuilt Student Podcast. Youth ministry isn't easy, and you don't have much time. That's why this is a car ride's worth of content to help you reimagine, revive, and rebuild youth ministry. Welcome to Uprising, the Rebuilt Student Podcast. I'm Allie, your host, and in today's car ride's worth of content, we will be continuing our current series about recommitting to relational ministry. Before we get into all of that, Daniel, what are you loving? Allie, you know, I just showed you this feature, and I was really excited about it. Oh, oh, yes. So on my iPhone, I have these documents, these old documents that we used for Um, Stations of the Cross every year and they were PDFs. I couldn't edit them. They were just scans of a really old Mm -hmm. plan So I've always wanted to have them somebody transcribe them, but nobody has time to do that. Ain't nobody got time for that (laughs) I'm glad you didn't ask me to drag. So I found something on the iPhone I don't think it's available on other phones, but they have it on the iPhone now where you go into the camera and There's if you go over the text so that your whole whole text is visible on the camera there's a little button that is like kind of a box with a bunch of lines that sort of look like text through it. And if you hit that, it will look at the text and convert it all so that you can copy and paste it. Genius. It's brilliant. (laughs) Such a great little feature for those things that you have that you want the text, but you don't want to have to transcribe it. Yep. Yep. Or things like you before have sent a document to me and it's a PDF, but I notice something that's wrong and I want to change it. I mean, instead of being like, can you give me the original mm-hmm. Google Doc and share with me? I can just be like, boop, done. Just a great little feature. Great boop. little feature. Boop, boop. boop, that's my sound effect for that. <laughs> what are you loving, Allie? <laughs> I am loving you're not going to be shocked by this either. I have a little bit of a cough. So I'm loving cough drops because, I mean, obviously they're very helpful when you have a cough. It may help soothe you. It's the only way I could sleep last night was having a cough drop in my mouth for a little while. But... Most cough drops are that awful red cherry flavor, Mm. and I'm just not a big fan of that. It just makes me feel like I'm even more sick than I am because I'm just sucking on that medicine taste. Um, So I found cough drops that are lemon and honey, and they're still very soothing, and they are just great. So I love that. I think Ricola are are like that too, but I've never had Ricola. These are just like store brand ones. Yeah. Do they have the menthol in them? Yes. Yes. Yeah, you got to have the menthol. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You do. <laughs> so that is what I'm loving today, a little bit. Two different things on the spectrum. But today, as I said, we are continuing our series, Recommitting to Relational Ministry. So how do we build our programs so that relationships are encouraged and connections happen? Week one, if you didn't listen to the past two messages, you can always go back, start from the beginning and listen now. Week one, we talked about vulnerability as a starting point. Week two, we talked about the power of one-on-one moments. And this week, we're going to talk about discipline and correction. You know, we were just talking before this podcast started, disciplining and discipleship are two words from the same root there. Um, Discipling, obviously, is a part of what we're doing, but teens are becoming adults. They aren't there yet. So we want to help them. And sometimes helping them become disciples includes that discipline. Yeah, but it's tough. We see Mm -hmm. in young people the potential that's there. There's a gap between who they are now and who they want to be. They don't see that gap for the most part. (laughs) Um, And it's not just that teens have that gap either. We have a gap, all of us, Mm -hmm. between who we are and who we want to be. 
because none of us are finished products. So what's in that gap? For a teen, it might be really thinking through the consequences of your actions because teen brains have a harder time seeing long-term. It might be getting comfortable in your own skin. We've had um, so many teens the last few years that have struggled with what kind of school they want to go to when mm-hmm. they're um, picking their college. And just this year, there was somebody that I think really would fit in better at a small school, but they don't recognize that in themselves. So again, a moment that you just might be able to, Allie's looking at me because she's wondering who <laughs> no, I'm talking about. I'll tell you later. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, but it's just a moment where a teen needs a little bit of guidance there. Might be committing to faith disciplines mm-hmm. because grace without discipleship is cheap grace. Jesus calls us to take up our cross daily and follow him. So we need to instill that idea of the daily challenge of faith in our young people and the idea of lifelong learning that you can learn from every person and situation. You don't know that, or you don't know it all because no one knows it all. But even if you have a good head on your shoulders as a young person, you're going to fail. You're going to face adversity and their moments of learning. So all those things are sort of in that gap that I think young people don't necessarily recognize that we can help them recognize sometimes. But everybody's gap is different. Yes. So there are opportunities for life lessons, as we see. But the trick is, how do we build relationship through them? So teens don't just want to hear us spouting off advice. I think a lot about, you know, we talk about it within our roles. We aren't their parents. We believe in the importance of having a small group, having a, having small group leaders, having a confirmation sponsor, and that not being your parent is to have other adults in your life. And we don't just want to be the nagging mom because <laughs> they already have one of those in one their of eyes. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, so they don't just want to hear us spouting off advice. We're going to talk about discipline and correction using actually a construction analogy, which is fitting my husband works in construction. So <laughs> you want to build it carefully and thoughtfully discipline, just like any construction project. So there's a sequence to the steps you take. And here are the five steps we outlined. I'm going to go through all five and then we're going to break them down step by step. The first is to have a foundation. The second, ruthlessly evaluate together. The third is to pick your moments. The fourth is to ask your permission for permission. And the fifth is to do it privately. So the first thing when you're building anything is that you need a foundation. That's what gives the building its strength and security so that you can go up. So you watch any HGTV show, if the foundation is a problem, it's expensive, it's difficult Mm -hmm. to fix, the foundation is so instrumental to everything else in the house. So you start your relationship with the foundational things. We've talked about these a lot in our past episodes. Have fun together, start with lighter conversation, have the deepening of trust over time and the faith that really unites us. You begin with those things, that's what builds the relationship. And you can't replace the time it takes to know teens, to really get to know them. So commit to them. Hopefully it's for even more than a year Mm -hmm. and you just have to build that foundation before you can ever break something down. You got to build it up. Yes. The second step to ruthlessly evaluate together. As a home goes up, the builder and designer and contractors, they're all working together and adjusting their plans as they go. At its best, this is collaborative, so everyone has a part. If you allow your students to evaluate you and your program and you give them a voice, the foundation of trust will grow. They will recognize that feedback is helpful and necessary. And always remember, it's ruthless, not 
heartless evaluation we are after. We have had to reiterate that a couple times when we give students opportunities. But you give them an opportunity for feedback and to see the importance of it for them to share theirs. They will then be more open for you sharing yours. Yeah, and that goes back to the vulnerability that we mm-hmm. talked about in the first episode of this series. Okay, so number one, you built the foundation of trust. Two, over time, you have ruthlessly evaluated together and built that vulnerability. Now it's time to pick your moments. So we've had it a few times where we've all had to sit down with teens and have a heart-to-heart. There's a young woman who used to cry at our programs almost every week, mm-hmm. monopolize the time of ministers, at a time when she was supposed to be serving. Now, we want our young people to be able to cry or to share, but this was an every week Mm -hmm. occurrence Mm -hmm. and it wasn't the right time and place. So we had to sit down with her and explain, like when you come here to serve, you need to be serving. There are times when you can let down and cry with people and share what's going on in your life, but Mm -hmm. you need to work on this time being your serving time. So that was one conversation. One time we had one of our sacristans and all of our sacristans are high schoolers um, that serve as our altar servers as well. And they weren't treating the Eucharist as reverently as they should have been. Um, So I pulled them aside and had a little conversation about it. There was a time when we had a student leader who brought up inappropriate things with middle schoolers as they were leading them in their small group, needed a conversation. So these sort of moments can be really make or break for the relational ministry that you're trying to establish. So you to stick with this home building analogy, you're basically breaking something down because it wasn't constructed correctly. Mm -hmm. There are times when it's been built and then you have to bust in through the drywall, check things out. But there are also times when it's fine. You don't need to do that. Those moments that we listed were, that were big ones. They're ones that we couldn't ignore in those moments. But there are other times that they really wasn't worthy of correction or making Mm -hmm. a big deal out of it. So you need to choose what's important and worth your time. So we just have a couple more tips when doing this. So the first is to ask permission. It's a small change in the way you present an idea. But if you ask a team, a teen, if you can give them feedback or really asking anyone, you can apply this in all areas of your life, they have the chance to say no. Maybe the moment isn't right or they just honestly don't know what to do with the feedback. It's rare for someone to say no, but it softens things to kind of give them an out. So ask for permission before just coming and tearing into them kind of. Allie, can I can I give you some feedback? No. Okay. I'm having a real bad Another day. Time. Talk to me tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so the last tip that we have is when you're able, do this privately. So privately when possible. This is an extension from our last episode, the power of those one-on-one moments. So public scolding is, I want to say never appreciated. Does anybody ever appreciate public scolding? I don't think so. No. Um, I had, it's not often appreciated, but it's never appreciated. We're going to go so far as to say that. So if you have a chance to pull them aside, meet with them separately, that's really optimal. It shows even more that you're invested in them. You're not trying to embarrass them in any way. Mm-hmm. Now, even if they don't hear your criticism at first, meeting with them privately will only help your case. So just be sure you follow the safe environment guidelines, meet mm-hmm. in a public place so that people can see you even if they can't hear you, have someone else know that you're meeting with the team, those sort of things. Yeah, talking to them privately, one-on-one, it's not just you being annoyed with them or aggravated or wanting to yell at them and correct them. It really shows that you're coming from a place of care. 
And I think you can set up your own conversation and your tone better just when you have that one-on-one and separate both of you guys from the situation, the group, whatever it may be. So to summarize, here are the five steps we identified. First, build the foundation. Two, ruthlessly evaluate together. Three, pick your moments. Four, ask permission. And five, do it privately when possible. Now, as always, we have one bright idea to end the show. Our bright idea today is if you want to take this mo- this moment that you have of correction, or discipleship, discipline, whatever you want to call it, if you want to take it to the next level, make a plan together. So the best way to avoid repeating a mistake is to plan so it doesn't happen the next time. If you're a home builder, you'll inevitably make a mistake at some point. But the next time you're installing something, you plan. So the wires are correct, the plumbing gets sealed properly. The plan avoids future problems. So if you want to take your your moment to the next level, make a plan together. Yes. So discipleship is part of the relationship as we talked about in the beginning of the episode. And that includes learning from our shortcomings. We need to earn the trust to speak into our students' lives. But when we do, the relationship deepens. So next time on A Car Ride's Worth of Content, we will be in part four of recommitting to relational ministry, and we will be talking about the five elements new research identified in effective relational ministry. Thanks so much for being here with us. We love you very much. <laughs>